Hi, Croesaw, and welcome to the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcasts. I'm Stephen Hedges. Today we head way out west as our Jan Gray brings us an interview with Fraser Watson of Llanrian Cricket Club. He'll be talking cows on the outfield and opponents lost on the back roads in just a moment. After that, we have the second part of Dr Andrew Hignell's interview about cricket scoring. In this episode, he'll be talking about scorers and broadcasters, the power of concentration and the importance of scorebooks as the gold dust of cricketing history. So without more ado, let's head straight out west to Pembrokeshire and to Llanrian. This week we're here with Fraser Watson, who's the secretary at Llanrian Cricket Club in Pembrokeshire. And Fraser, you're uh, celebrating 75 years in 2021. Can you tell us a bit about the history of your club, please? Can do. Firstly, that's well pronounced as well. Yes. Not, uh, not many outside your immediate vicinity get it right first time. But yeah, next year will be, um, will be 75 years, actually, which is remarkable considering what we started with. Um, so, well, we don't, we don't want to talk about current issues so much, do we? But and obviously that we do have celebrations and do's and certain things planned, which are all currently on hold because it involves booking venues. And, and we don't know when venues are going to be back in, uh, back in play as normal, obviously. But um, yeah, we've, uh, we were based basically in, on a farm field in 1946 and 74 and a half years later, we're still based on the same farm field now. It's, um, it's a unique little setting. Um, we're described as the most, the most westerly club in Wales or, or the UK, if you like. And it's, it's, it's caused a few problems for home and away players over the years. It's not the sort of place your sat-nav will tell you where it is. Um, you need to have been there before to find it again. But no, it's, it, we're based on a farm called Llandegigi Vaur. Um, and... You know the field is is still playable, and and we still look after it, and we're still there now. So yeah, seventy five years next year will be quite a remarkable feat, considering what we started out with, really. And I understand uh, your team's known as the Cows. Does that give a bit of a uh, an idea of what the clubs are like? Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean that's uh, that's actually an official nickname we've been dubbed within the last uh, decade or so, which we we've um, we've actually embraced. And the club emblem has always been a cow. Um, you've probably guessed 50% of the, ne- the next bit already. We, we are based, like I said, a farm field at Llandegigi Vaur. We're surrounded by two fields of cows, basically. Our, uh, our spectators are mainly cows. Um, they'll all come to the fence on a Saturday. They'll all scarper when a bull's hit their way. We spend many a Saturday, every Saturday without fail, um, wasting time during a match searching for balls that have gone into the cow field, either to nettles, brambles or, or cow pats. We've, we've sadly cleaned many, many, many of them. We could have done with all the hand sanitizer rules, to be honest, 75 years ago, let alone this year. Um, but yeah, so because, because there's always cows present at our games, when, when photographers or, or journalists, when they find us take photos, there's always cows in the background. So we kind of got unofficially dubbed with that nickname um about 10 20 years ago and, and it stuck um, so yeah the uh, the name the cows is quite prevalent they are uh, and then in in the off season um the cows will take back over our field we actually kick them out every summer so that we could we can put a cricket strip and, and a boundary on it so yep they're very much part of our club and uh, and they make up the the bulk of the attendance every saturday too you talk about um it being a rural setting uh is there many examples of teams not being able to find the club? Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, look, no, honestly, it's no, obviously we are, in a, we are in a very rural area. And I think, you know, I think, okay, that causes problems. But I do also, it's an attractive proposition in some sense, because we do have quite a, a very surreal setting. And when 
you know, I take friends down from away, certainly those who play in, you know, in clubs in England who maybe overlook their, uh, overlook their boundary ropes from their club balconies and, and have nets and fantastic facilities and so on. And I'm almost not embarrassed, that's the wrong word, but I am a little apprehensive about taking them down to show them that, you know, this farm field and, and they're, they're amazed by it, that they love the, you know, the surreal feeling of it. They think it's a really unique setting and they love it and it does epitomise village cricket. But yeah, to go back to your to your question, numerous, you know, we've had, um, we I think Whitland, Narbeth, two teams over the year now to arrived late. We've had many examples of teams arriving with six, seven players, got three or four have got lost and then just not fulfilling the game. We've had it with our own players as well, especially new ones at training who just haven't turned up for the first session because they've been driving around back roads. It's not the most signposted place. Um, I remember you know, a particular occasion, I think aside with Lorenny, we're going back 10, 15 years, brought a second team down there. There is, um, we do actually have a local pub called The Sloop, which is, our club, well, essentially our, our clubhouse or, or where our committee meets, which is a bit better signposted and it is in a bit more unique and well-publicised location in, down in a place called Porth Gain. And um, their team came down to us. I think they they circled the back roads a few times, um, even even with the old wooden signposts they they didn't, couldn't find where they were going. I think about five or six of them turned up and the other four or five went down to the sloop. Now, the problem, again, with our places is it's not, um, it's not great for phone reception. So you'll have teams trying to call you when they're lost and they can't get through, which just adds to the, uh, just adds to the difficulties of it all. So I think this team came down to their credit that they continue to play five or six players. We, we managed to win that pretty quickly as expected. <laughs> and then we all went back to the sloop and their, their car of four or five players were there and had been there since one o'clock, two o'clock, haven't given up. And, and their team asked, why didn't they try? And they said, we, we came back in, we gave up, we were perfectly happy here in this nice spot. So we've had that. We've had that many a time. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's maybe a little bit easier to find with Google Maps because people can have a look before they leave now. But still, one, when a car gets lost, it's, it's usually Kirtan. So. You talk about it being like a, an icon of village cricket. Um, is there a strong link between the village, the pub, the cricket club, that sort of thing? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at our, our club as we do have change of facilities. It is, as you probably already won't be surprised to hear, a converted old cow shed, which um, we've done out with a few and we put a lick of paint on it every now and again. But on a serious note, no, we, we do have two changing rooms. But yes, very, very much so. Um, Clannery and the place itself is a um, is a very small community. There are villages that surround it, Croisport, Trevene, if you look primary schools and so on. So we all have had that little colloquial feel about us, which, which is nice. And we just mentioned there, the Sloop Pub, a very historic place as well. That's where we'll hold committee meetings, for example. So we have to liaise with them. We run a, um, a fourth game World Cup event, which I'll talk to you a bit more about in a bit every year down in, in the village green in Porth Gain, which, you know, engulfs and involves the whole community. So that, that puts the cricket club out there again. It's a big fundraiser for the cricket club as well. And I guess, you know, in, in some respects, there's pros and cons to being so rural. We obviously, in some senses, we don't have big finances and facilities. We're not going to attract um, too many local star signings anytime soon. But then at the same time, within our immediate area, there isn't, you know, there isn't probably room uh, with no disrespect to have another cricket club. There, are, there simply aren't the numbers, you know, or, or the personnel to, to run two functional cricket clubs. So um, there's enough farm fields, but, but maybe just, just not the people to play on them. So, yeah, there is a very strong, strong community feel. And e even as, 
St. David's, which is obviously a local city in its own right, um, only seven, eight miles down the road. They're very much, you know, in gro- when it comes to cricket, San Rian is very much the, the, the team, the central team for everyone within our immediate area, I guess. Uh, tell us a bit more about the, the World Cup event. The World Cup, the World, it's, it's actually a football event. It runs our biggest fundraiser. It keeps us, um, it keeps us afloat. The help helps keep us afloat every year. We run it on the Village Green in Porthgain. It, it, it's set up just like uh, the cricket club setting. It's completely village. Um, it's a, it's a six-a-side football tournament. You, you, each team needs a certain amount of, of juniors, seniors, female and male. It, it's all mixed. It gets quite competitive, mind. Um, but it's not supposed to start out that way. Um, Alina Ush is our president. Who um, I, I don't know how old he is. I don't think he knows how old he is now. But he, he's been uh, he's been around for years. He marks the pitch every year. The lines get more wobblier every year. The goals are um, the goals are provided or the nets for the goals by the local fishermen. Um, again, there's there's usually holes in them, but we get by. But to be fair, because Porthgain itself, although I mentioned it's a very rural area, Porthgain where the Sloop Pub is is quite an iconic little spot especially for tourists in, in the summer and that's that's ideal because you know a lot who don't even know what's going on will just come and watch and then take part in the stores and the fundraising and by the side and actually um it actually shot to fame nationally one year we randomly had a um a times reporter who was down on um down on holiday uh, and he happened to notice it really enjoyed what was going on came and asked if he, he could take a few photos and cover it. And lo and behold, we're national news three or four days later. Although what did help us was um, the presence of Jerome Flynn. Uh, Jerome Flynn's family are, are very strong ties to our local community. Um, he has, I think, siblings and, and cousins who actually attended school in the area. They're a very big family house in a place called Travacoon. And, and he's actually played for the club and, and to his credit, continues to do so when, when he is down, when he does have breaks from filming. And he... he always makes a big effort to play in that tournament every year, which, which, you know, the, the tourists are quite wowed out. They, 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 they come along this, stumble along this little fishing village in this little rural area. They see a football tournament going on and then you see them walk past and they stop and they look and you've got, um, you know, a Game of Thrones star in fancy dress playing in goal in some mixed football match. So his presence helps it as well. And, and to be fair to Jerome, he's a big supporter of the club. He doesn't, he doesn't shout about it, but in terms of sponsorship and everything, he continues to do so. And, and um, you know, it's good to have his presence there as well. In terms of the club, um, how does the cricket work? The, uh, how many sides do you have? What competitions do you play? Are we playing there, Pembroke League? Um, we're still going with... with Two sides. I mean, Pembrokeshire again. I mentioned it's not a great for size of a county, but because of our location, every away trip takes a long time. But um, it takes everyone else longer to get to us. That's the only consolation. But no, we're, we're running two sides, and we're currently looking to resurrect um, junior cricket as well at the moment. Um, we have. It, we did temporarily run three teams in the past. Um, St. David's down the road had a side, and as I said to you, unfortunately, things got on top of them, and and. Just uh, the nature of the area meant that you just couldn't run two clubs alongside each other. And we actually merged with St. David's, or they merged with us, so to speak, to form a third team um, for a few years. Which That survived and that did well, but as numbers dried up inevitably, which has been the case in so many places, we're back to two teams. But, you know, both sides are, are functioning okay. We, we're trying to resurrect a junior section. We are beginning to be, begin to bring people back through. We did go through a few decades where maybe the... Um, the same guys who were playing in the sixties and seventies were, were still playing. Um, were still were still playing twenty, thirty years later, just maybe with runners and, and were not so uh, 
how should I put this, mobile in the field, shall we say. But um, no, we're, we're very much um, you know, a local-based a local club. There are two local-based teams. It, it's very rare that out, outsiders is the wrong word, but it's very rare people without ties in the area would come in and play for us, you know. Um, but we have had one example I'll bring you on to now is we did get ourselves onto an, an exchange system um, around the turn of the century. And we, we had an Australian player come over, Alistair Bloom, who played grade cricket in Australia. Um, I'm not quite sure how we persuaded him to come to us. Or I'll never know what was written um, on, on our application. <laughs> but I think, I think a flamboyant, or, uh, but the dream was sold to him somehow. And he, came, and he was excellent. He was, you know, one of, if not the best bats in the club's ever had, but um, he didn't really realise the settings he'd walked into from a great cricket in Australia. So he was one one outside to come into. He was great while he was there. He didn't last long. Um, he, he's, uh, he booked an earlier flight home than was scheduled. The, uh, the the long grass and the cow pats and the uh, the trickling water in the shower weren't quite for him. Um, but you know, he was um, he, he was great as a player. But he was maybe an example of uh, of what people don't expect when they walk into what is our outside little world, I suppose. But no, we're still running two, two senior teams. And like I said, we've got juniors up and running now with, um, at, from eight to 14 training. So we're trying to get that back up as well, because that's important, especially in an area like ours. You know? Yeah, very good. I imagine people listening to this might want to come and have a look. So if they are in the area, how do they get in contact and come and have a look without, you know, getting lost on the way? Well, there's... Um, I can contact myself. Perfectly happy with that. You know, we do have we do have a Twitter account. We are we're not that far out of touch. We are on social media. You know, so if they aren't to get in contact with our Facebook or Twitter page, um, and we will endeavour to give them as directions as best we can. You know, um, they might have to climb over the gate. It's uh, <laughs> it's usually bolted bolted closed during the winter months to stop the cows coming out. Um, but no, you know, visitors will be welcome anytime if they got in touch with us. And we do have a, a club website with with committee contact details on there as well um you know a picture will say we've got individuals morgan miles ali Alan davis who i mentioned earlier um, and colin holness who i think the four, best part of 30 40 years probably have been do, doing our ground strip and um, as long as they're still going and walking or can sit on a tractor they'll continue to do so as well so there is always a, there's always a, a cricket you can always make out the cricket pitch and, and the square even in the winter months as well but uh, no got well done to those three as well because they, they, they keep us going. But no, visitors are welcome anytime. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time, um, No problem at all. Uh, good luck with the, uh, the winter. Thank you very much. Thank you for getting in contact. Um, one of the most enjoyable things for, for all of us who listen to Test Match Special is the relationship between the scorer and the um, the broadcasters and the way in which they're able to respond to some very difficult and often uh, very historical questions about uh, what's happening at that particular moment in the game. Do you have to do and prepare things in advance to be able to respond that quickly to a to a, a broadcaster's question about you know how how many times this has happened or how many uh, years has it been since this happened or or are you able to set things up so you can do respond really quickly? Uh, the answer really is a uh, is a mix of yes and no uh, because sometimes things completely out of the blue will happen like this year uh, when Marchant Delanger 
hosted his 62-ball 100 for Glamorgan at Northampton. Well, it struck me by the time uh, Marchanter got to 30 or 40 that he was, uh, it looked like he was uh, going to keep on uh, swiping 60s. So luckily, uh, on my laptop, I should actually say I've got two laptops. I've got one which is the scoring laptop, and I've got another laptop with all the records, all the uh, plus the databases that I've that I've got and the databases that I maintain. So by the time Marchant got to fifty in almost a blink of an eye, I had made a note of how fast that was, but I'd also made a note of the fastest uh, first class hundred uh, by balls. That is. Uh, which had been recorded for Glamorgan. It had been by uh, Gary Butcher in 1997, I think it was, uh, at Oxford University. So I had that bit of information, which I passed on, in fact, to uh, Nick Webb, the, uh, the BBC commentator. And, of course, what he was able to do was actually use that when Marchant hit his, uh, his 100 and was able to say, oh, it's it's gone for four, it's off 62 balls, and it's therefore by, uh, by just two balls the fastest ever. For many years, I also had worked for BBC Radio Wales, and I can remember in my very earliest days working for the BBC alongside Edward Bevan and dear old Don Shepherd. I can remember uh, when I was being trained for my days on BBC Radio Wales and the, the Sunday Spin programme, the coverage of the Sunday League matches in those days. In my training, uh, the, the BBC sports producer, a wonderful man called Tom Davis, said to me, Andrew, it's the, the art of commentating, the art of broadcasting is all about prediction. And he said, it's no good two overs later to, uh, for you to pass a note on a piece of paper to Edward or Don to say that that was uh, that player's first ever 100. He said it's no good uh, uh, passing a piece of paper at the end of the innings to say, oh, by the way, during that innings, uh, the bowler took his 100th wicket of his career. He said, as soon as you know, and as soon as you get a feeling, pass that information on. It's all, it's all about building up. It's all bit about building up that, that sense of excitement and even if the player doesn't actually get to 100 for the listener it's all about that journey and making it worthwhile so I took that on board and that's in fact been uh, part of my uh, modus operandi for want of a better phrase even now I'm working as Glamorgan's uh, first team scorer so even in the score box at Sophia Gardens or Swansea or Colwyn Bay or where or wherever it is I will do the same on my second laptop. And if, if I get a funny feeling that uh, something's going to happen, I'll just make sure that I'll, I'm a, as ahead of the game as I can be so that when I have to make that announcement or when I have to put something on the website report, the information is there. Uh, as I said, anticipation is gold. Alongside the two umpires, um first-class scorers are having to concentrate very closely on the game from the first ball of the morning session to the very last ball at the end of the day. Can it be a tiring experience, scoring? Uh, very, 
it can be uh, it can be very demanding and uh, sometimes uh, i can remember back in the 1980s and the 1990s but the 1980s in particular where you would be playing a, a three-day game let's say on a wednesday thursday friday then on the friday night traveling to another venue to start the next match on a on a saturday and then in, in those days, you would up sticks often on the Saturday night and travel somewhere else for a Sunday league game before traveling back on the Sunday night to where you'd been on the Saturday uh, for the continuation of the game. Fortunately, we're very lucky to uh, stay in very nice, very comfortable hotels. And uh, I, I always ask when checking in for a, a nice, quiet room high up, uh, it's the bane of my life sometimes when at two in the morning the fire alarm goes off because of some shenanigans downstairs. But uh, by and large, that's, uh, that, that has been quite rare. And uh, I think the secret of uh, county scoring is actually getting a good night's sleep and being fresh as a daisy. But they are long days. And uh, I would say that you have to uh, uh, adjust not only your biorhythms, but your other bodily functions uh, too. sitting down for maybe two, two and a half, in some cases, three or even three and a half hours for some of the uh, one day games. And concentration is of the utmost. And uh, I suppose that's something that you only learn over time and being able just to uh, uh, block out other distractions and being able to focus. I know batsmen do the same when they're batting, so that uh, when the after playing a shot, the the batsman might walk away to uh, square leg. I know Mike Brearley used to hum uh, a favourite tune or a piece of classical music before returning to the crease and then getting ready to face the next ball. And uh, scorers are no different. We'll stay silent when uh, a bowler's running in. But after someone's hit, uh, hit a shot, we might exchange in a little bit of banter. We might actually start telling a joke or start telling a story before falling silent as the bowler starts to run in. It's all about switching on and switching off. Are there any particular scorers that you uh, have enjoyed spending a little bit of time with? Any stories that you've got about them? Um, yes, I'm. I'm some Ones of them that I you can't... can broadcast, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, obviously there are there are some scorers who uh, have a, a and I think it goes with the territory. You you have to have a very thick skin and a a very good sense of humour. Uh, there was uh, there was one scorer, sadly, who's now departed to the score box in the sky, who whenever a ball was uh, hit for three, uh, he would say, oh, there's another all run three. And that's a little uh, phrase that I've uh, I've picked up and I, I carry on using. Of course, you get all run all run fours on occasions with overthrows. And of course, I know every three has to be all run. But just to say it very sotto voce uh, to someone alongside you, uh, someone who, who may not have heard you before. Um, yeah, uh, it, humor is ve- is very good, and there are some scorers who come armed with uh, armed with wine gums, uh, peppermints, and all sorts, or some who come with all sorts of tales. And uh, when it rains and we uh, we start to reminisce, uh, time uh, time can fly by. 
but uh, in this day and age with uh, the uh, with the laptops uh, often uh, when it does rain though uh, during our intervals we're we're catching up with our emails and uh, and doing other things but that's not to say that there's there isn't any humor and there there still remains lots of uh, great banter in the score box um, for lots of recreational cricketers perhaps the scoring is is the task that um is the wooden spoon handed to you if you're not batting or if you've been out um so most scorers for for club games are very often reluctant scorers what would you say to people uh who perhaps are coming towards the end of their playing days or would like to do something but aren't, aren't able to play for whatever reason what how would you promote the uh uh, the score as, a, as a, a very important and a useful position for any cricket club? Well, it, it's going to sound corny, but I'm going to say scorers count. Uh, yes, we, we count up to six or seven or eight, sometimes nine. In fact, I have actually scored an 11 ball over, but uh, I'll gloss over that. But um, scorers are an important part of the team. Let's not forget there are, there are three teams in every cricket match, the home team, the away team and the team of officials. You're working very closely with the umpires at professional level. We've got walkie-talkies with them. But uh, for club cricketers, if you are coming towards the end of your, uh, your playing days, you can carry on playing an important role by scoring. And, and these days in particular, as I said, with the advent of uh, computerized scoring scores are now going up uh, ball by ball on club websites there are twitter feeds as well it's all being done automatically because you can preset the program on the software to actually send out a tweet whenever there's a wicket falling whenever there's a milestone whenever a batsman gets a 50 or a 100 or at the end of an innings and many people also might be following the ball-by-ball -ball scores uh, away from the ground. I know as well that several clubs are also investing in uh, the video cameras, which will be capturing all the matches. That's linked into the software as well. So actually scorers are playing an integral role. And actually, it, there's never been a better time for scorers. Because all this information now that's out there, people will be wanting to know their averages. People will be wanting to know how many runs or wickets they've taken. And it's, it's literally going worldwide via the internet. So you can continue your role with a cricket club by carrying on being a scorer, whether it's for the first or the second 11, or even for junior teams. And for the youngsters as well, there are apps on mobile phones and there's other uh, slimmer versions of the scoring software that can be used. And it's, uh, it's a great way to uh, improve your numeracy. And I gather there are various qualifications, including BTECs, which uh, teenagers can follow. And in sports studies, you can actually take as one of the... Uh, options on the course you can do something on scoring and umpiring so what what better way to earn a qualification than to uh, use scoring okay um that seems like a lovely place to finish at andrew um 
don't know if there's anything else that you'd like to add or any message you'd like to give to uh, our listeners about uh, the nature, the purpose, uh, the importance of scoring to the game of cricket. Well, thank you, Stephen. All I would say, and it's uh, it's a very heartfelt message to county clubs, don't throw away your old scorebooks. I know that they may uh, they may be in the loft of a clubhouse or a loft of a in in the loft of a scorebox or whatever. But please, please take care. These mu- these are the records. These are the uh, the gold dust when you're trying to track down uh, the achievements of the past. And as more and more cricket clubs are putting their heritage online, these scorebooks are invaluable. So please don't throw them away. If you are looking for somewhere uh, for safekeeping, well, please think of us at the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket at Sapphire Gardens in Cardiff. We would be delighted to uh, to look after to store to conserve and to preserve these records of games from the past many thanks to andrew hignall for his contribution to this episode of the podcast and to jan and fraser for the discussion earlier about clanrian cricket club join us next time when we'll have some more stories about the great game of cricket in the great country of wales bye bye for now Thank you.